Hello and welcome. You're listening to the You Do Root podcast, and I'm your host, Allison Cullen. I'm a mom with a background in business and counseling, but I've always been tapped into the more woo-woo side of everyday life. I'm here to take you on an exploration of your spirituality, give you helpful life hacks, help you on this evolution through motherhood, and give you a weekly dose of useful woo. If you need your cup filled, your mind expanded, and you want to increase your manifestation abilities at the same time, you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Happy Monday, you guys. I hope everybody had a beautiful weekend and a beautiful Mother's Day. And I am excited for today's episode. It's a good one. (laughs) It's pretty interesting. One of the spiciest episodes we've had in a while. Y'all are going to love it. One quick announcement before we get into today's episode. I have a summer micromind going on. Today is the last day to sign up for it. Send me a DM on Instagram if you want details. We're starting today and we go through June 30th. You're going to get hot seats from me. You're going to get group Voxer coaching. That Voxer group has already started and it's awesome. So lots of cool stuff. A six-week container with me. Send me a DM at Woo on Instagram. If you want some details, we have a couple of spots open as I'm recording this. It might be full, but just send me a DM. I'll see if we can make room for you. Today's episode is so good. So Leslie Draffin came into my mastermind, and I think we had some Alchemy members on the call too. I sometimes open up trainings to my mastermind and my Alchemy members. So she came in and did a training on womb healing and the sacral chakra is your womb. So sacral chakra healing, womb healing. And I didn't even realize that this had anything to do with sex necessarily. I knew that like sexual desire lives in that chakra and all of that, but legit sex is a topic that ended up coming up and it was so interesting. So I just had to have her on the podcast. So we talk about sex. We talk about the sacral chakra, womb healing, very different types of modalities that I had not ever heard of before that are super interesting. Y'all are going to love this episode. Please share this episode with all of your lady friends. It's very helpful. Leslie is magical at the work that she does. And y'all are going to be obsessed with this episode. So thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. And please share this far and wide today. Ooh, this one's going to be a juicy one. I have Miss Leslie Draffin on the podcast with us today. Welcome, Leslie. I'm excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So Leslie and I connected through my good friend Bijou. So Leslie's actually a menstrual cycle and microdosing coach. And I think the microdosing part of that is where I found you. However, there's so much value that I'm getting from you and learning about my menstrual cycle and womb healing and all that kind of stuff. She actually, Leslie actually came into alchemy to do a training on the sacral center and womb healing. For anybody who doesn't know the 
probably if you're listening to the, this podcast, you already know, but the sacral center is located in the area under your belly button and basically envelops all, all of our baby making areas. So the uterus, the womb, the vulva, like all of that, that is the sacral center. And that is why it is considered the center for creation and creativity and desire. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But Leslie, introduce yourself. Tell us, I know that you had a totally different background before. So introduce yourself. Tell us just a little bit about your upbringing, what your, your past life and it being a news anchor and then stepping into this type of coaching. Yeah. So we'll start, I guess, from my upbringing. So I came from a very religious upbringing. My dad is a preacher. He's retired now, but he still does preaching. And so I had a lot of religious indoctrination throughout my youth. And as I have had my spiritual awakening, which began around 2019, I've really had to unpack a lot of what I was told, right? The very dogmatic principles around my Christian faith. And so 2019, I have my spiritual awakening. I had already pulled away from the church a lot at that point, but that was when I started, you know, the gateway drug crystals and tarot and astrology and all of that good stuff. And it was also that year that I really started to feel this whisper inside of me that, you know, something wasn't quite right. I was stifling my own deep femininity and like inner fire by being on hormonal birth control. So I got off of the pill in 2020. All hell broke loose. Um, I like I had lost my libido completely, like completely. And I was a newlywed, no sex drive, horrific mood swings. My hair fell out. I got cystic acne and I was diagnosed with post pill PCOS. And so at this point, I'm a TV news anchor um, in central Texas. And so when your hair, hair falls out and you get cystic acne and your face is your moneymaker, like that is really scary. So I healed that physical element. But underneath the physical, all of these beliefs started coming back up. I started remembering how traumatizing my first period was. I started remembering that after I had my first period and I didn't bleed for six months, which is very normal because I started my period at 11, I thought I was pregnant. I was convinced I was pregnant. And the way I thought I had gotten pregnant was because I used my dad's beach towel. Oh my God. And so <laughs> that's the shit that I was working with, right? Sex education needs to change. <laughs> yeah. So all of that started coming back up. And it was also around that point when I started to feel like I wasn't happy in my job. You know, the pandemic was hell on all of us, but like being in the news and I was the essential anchor. So I was the one who was there. My co-anchor and most of my staff got to stay at home and I had to deal with so many other people's trauma, like the amount of people who would just call terrified. Most of them were elderly. You know, I was absorbing even more trauma than I even understood. Um, and I started to feel this little inner knowing that, you know, this might not be where you want to stay. And finally, it all came to a head at the end of 2021, which I was really surprised at, right? Like I really was safely in fight or flight for 2020, all of 2021, November of 2021. Like my husband describes it as like the light goes out of my eyes. Like I'm just no longer fulfilled. I dreaded going to work. And then January rolls around of 22, I get sick and I'm sick for like three months. Now I understand it was because of how much burnout I was in. And so I started speaking with my doctor and my therapist and my psychiatrist about, you know, what options I had. 
And in the middle of last year, I ended up being diagnosed with PTSD and generalized anxiety, depression, and burnout. So I took a three-month hiatus from my from my job pretty suddenly, and I never went back. <laughs> and it's it's in that shift where all things started to awaken. You know, I'd already been doing so much work around connecting with who I truly was from 2019 on. I had been doing this menstrual cycle work. I had already been working at that time as a menstrual cycle coach and with my and with microdosing. So, I think every little thing leads us to where we're supposed to be. And so the layering on of first connecting with my my body, then connecting with the mushrooms and then finally releasing this job that I had been so attached to, so anchored in, literally. I have a an anchor right here for being a news anchor. That was when the true dark night happened. Like last year was fucking rough. But all of these other aspects, thank God I had been doing the work because if I had left without having had all those years of doing the inner work through all of these different modalities, I would have been in a much deeper dark space. So I left. And then, yeah, ever since I have really been having to grapple with what I think a lot of us deal with and folks don't talk about is, you know, when you check out of hustle culture and you suddenly don't have a job that you're going to and you're not, quote unquote, producing or achieving or, you know, doing you have to grapple with your worth. You have to grapple with your place in society and your value. And so I spent a lot of last year trying to understand like, what am I here for? And am I still worthy, even though I'm not a six-figure news anchor, you know, on TV in front of hundreds of thousands of people. And it was through connecting with the sacred medicine. It was through connecting with my womb that I have been able to walk myself back home to a space where I know I'm worthy no matter what I do. And I'm very deeply in the divine feminine slow era of life. And it's beautiful over here. I love it. So, I mean, there's so many questions that I have. First of all, I totally resonate with you on the birth control situation. We'll probably get to this when we start talking about sex, but I tried all different types of birth controls in my twenties and they all made me a fucking crazy bitch. Except finally I went to like, I tried the IUD Mirena still has hormones in it. So still crazy bitch. And then the copper IUD finally was fine. And I had normal, I had periods on it, but, and I think that was probably the best option for me if I was going to be on birth control, but you can get copper poisoning and copper toxicity and it does affect things, but I don't think it affected me as much as the hormones did. I mean, I tried, I mean, probably like everything except the patch I tried and I just, and I'll probably put this in the show notes and you have a podcast too. Have you talked about birth control? Oh yeah. You have an episode oh, episodes yeah. on it. Okay. So I'll put Leslie's podcast on there too, but I also did listen to the almost 30 gals had, I think an OBGYN, like an actual MD talking about the risks of birth control. And I'll put that in the show notes too, just in case anybody's sort of playing around with the idea of thinking about it. I know we're sort of always scared into it. And when you're a teenager, it's like, okay, well, you could have big boobs and clear skin and blah, 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 but they don't talk about all the terrible things that 
that comes with it. But then there's like all kinds of stuff going on with laws of like not being able to get abortion and what, you know, I, I sort of wonder if sometimes those are all linked into making sure we all get onto birth control. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just going down conspiracy theory road now. But anyways, that is so crazy too, because that was very similar. I'm not going to go through my whole story because everybody knows it, but very similar to my story in pivoting from the music industry now to this this world, just a couple years before you. I became a mom in 2019 and then 2020 was when I, I made the shift. And it was, and you're a generator, a pure generator like me. And sometimes people just have the misconception that generators don't get burnt out. We don't get burnt out from necessarily working too much. It's working in a unaligned career. Do you know what I mean? And I think I'm finding out too, that I want much more of a balance and slowness and knowing that I can be worthy and be awesome and be successful without working eight hours a day. You know, if I just want to work a little bit and then take the rest of the day off, I've been playing around with that a lot more. So I love that you're in your slow feminine era right now. Absolutely. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about sex too, because I think my parents sometimes listen to this podcast. (laughs) So you can say all the things, but I'm not going to go into detail of my stories, but When I became sexually active, I actually waited a really long time. I was almost 18 years old, um, which whatever, I don't know. I just was the whole like Christian, we're going to wait till we get married kind of thing. And then, and we, and we waited for a good three years, man. I mean, we, we toughed it out and I was, you know, it was good, but I had a great experience. Like it was, you know, and on the almost 30 podcast, they were talking about like pain with the first time you have sex. And it's like, that's not normal. That's not normal to have that. And I didn't have that. I had just a wonderful experience until I got on birth control. And then that was like, sort of, I don't know the decline of that relationship, which sort of sucks. You know, I became a different person. I became depressed. I became anxious, all of that kind of stuff. And then ever since then, it's like I haven't been tapped in to that same sexual energy that I was at 18. Yeah. What's going on? Well, it's so fascinating too that you say this because I also waited till I was 18 and I had been dating my boyfriend for three years. (laughs) So yeah, I was very much just talking to my husband and a woman who works with us earlier today about like how dogmatic I was about you have to be a virgin until you're married and blah, blah, blah. Like, God, (laughs) if if little Leslie could see us now. So for me, I had a very different experience with sex. I had a ton of shame around sex. I would feel like I remember the day that I lost my virginity, like having sex and then just freaking out. And, and like, I was in college at this point and going back to my dorm room and crying. And like, I didn't want to talk to him for several days. It was like, terrible because of so all of the shame that I had tied up in this. And I had been on birth control for probably two months at that point. And so up until coming off of the pill, I never looked at how much it impacts mental health, how much it can impact your sex drive. Cause I had a pretty good sex drive even on the pill, but exactly what you were saying, like being quote unquote bat, like crazy. Right. I remember I was on the marina in the mid tw- my mid 20s when I was married to my ex-husband and he was like you're just a crazy bitch like blah blah blah. Now he was a POS so like it could also have just been him. But 
now knowing what I know, like I really do remember having these mood swings that felt out of control. And that was why it was so interesting to me when I came off of the pill, how those came back. Like I remember being like, I flipped out at work, like lost my, and I'm not somebody who did that, like crying at work, flipping my shit on my boss. Like I would have 17 different moods by the time 10 o'clock rolled around in the morning. Like it was horrible to be what I felt like at the mercy of all of these different emotions that let's be honest, the reason was because I had never felt them. I feel like birth control for me and my experience made me very static, except when I was on Marina. The pill for me, I felt very static, right? Very just like robotic almost, not feeling super joyful and not feeling super angry. And that's probably also because of my own past trauma, my own, you know, very messy divorce in my 20s, being terrified of being vulnerable. But when I came off the pill and those hormones and those moods came back like that, that was terrifying for me. And the other thing that was so terrifying was the fact that I no longer wanted to have sex at all. Like, I didn't want to fuck myself or my husband. And so that that was the catalyst, the sex drive being gone for a lot of the things that I did to start connecting with my womb, to start understanding, you know, the energetics of the body and working with crystal pleasure toys versus like silicone and and understanding, you know, um, the ideas around conscious sex. And I really had to reframe my look at pleasure because pleasure was a dirty word coming from the church. And I had to start understanding like pleasure is so much more than just having an orgasm. I had never thought of it as anything, just an orgasm. That's pleasure. You can have it with a person or have it with yourself, but that's pleasure, period. That's how it looked for me. And so, so much of my own inner growth has been understanding what if, what bringing pleasure into your life is like. Um, and that's a huge practice of mine now. It's just every little moment finding pleasure. So I struggle hard with have like no sex drive from mid-2020 through probably like, honestly, almost until I left my job. So two years and it would, it would come and go. Right. And I had a lot of tools that I used. I used Yoni eggs and I used cervical dearmoring and all of these things to help reawaken my, my womb space. But I'm telling you, I think it was the stress of that job that truly was like making me unable to relax in sex, my own issues around feeling open to receive oral sex. I felt very dirty around that. Like that was like, I'm taking too long. And that is why I decided to start microdosing is because I desperately wanted to understand how to feel more open to receiving in a sexual way. And so that's how I came to working with mushrooms. And I'm telling you like, it has been leaps and bounds. Like, I wouldn't say that I'm where I was as a teenager, but definitely much better than how it was when I got married in 2020 and probably even a little bit before that. Dude, this is so crazy. One of my questions I'm going to ask later, what is cervical dearmoring? So don't let me forget okay. to ask that. But first, when did you start using the medicine, mushrooms? A year ago in March. Okay, cool. So my whole deal was started having sex at 18, then with, you know, that one person, and then we broke up and then it was sort of like nothing for a while. And then I sort of went crazy where it was like, okay, let me just seek out attention from men. 
right? And I liked having sex. And so it was pleasurable, but in the numb way where you're like drunk while you're doing, you know, and it's not, there's no love involved. There's no like commitment involved or whatever, which I know that's a whole other thing because some people do polyamorous stuff and whatever. That, that's, that's not for me to each his own. But then I had one boyfriend in mid twenties, who's great, awesome situation where it was almost this like, oh my gosh, too good to be true. Like a, a good guy, like I don't deserve this. And so then I obviously sabotaged that. And then I met my husband when I think I was 29, who's amazing. And we had great chemistry, but we also met while we were both drinking a lot. And so that was like the first whole, and I was on birth control. So he saw me being real crazy for a good amount. Of t- I mean, up until we got married and had our daughter and then I got, got off birth control. And now I've been a, a very different person since then. But, and then in 2021, I took a whole year off of drinking and I'm, I'm again on a break. And honestly, I don't think it's ever going to be a big part of my life again. And I think the mushrooms sort of do that a little bit. It's interesting. But when I did the, the, year-long break in 2021, it was like all those things came to the surface. And it was like, oh my God, I never truly grieved that the loss of that first love and of, of like all of that kind of stuff. And I just numbed it and pushed it down and drank it. And then every issue I had with past boyfriends or my husband was all because of that, like abandonment issues and you know, never having that, that feeling of when I first had sex, we, we didn't drink, we weren't drinking. Like I didn't drink in high school, you know, until the very, very end. But it was like that. The reason I'm talking about this is pleasure. I'm learning a lot about alcohol that if you drink regularly, like more than one drink every 10 days, your pleasure center in your brain actually like dies. So you can't even the only thing that gives you pleasure is alcohol, not sex, not food, not anything else. And you can't ever, ever get it back. Sometimes people can't get it back even if they quit drinking. But if you're regularly drinking, which I, you know, I would have a few drinks every weekend or so, it's like I couldn't experience true pleasure. And I'm like, man. So that's my goal right now, not just with sex, but with everything in life is be like, how much pleasure can I feel like always and not drinking right now is helping that come back online a little bit, but there's just so much to that. And I, I was brought up in the church, but my parents weren't super strict. And so I didn't have as much unlearning with pleasure. Like I knew I deserved pleasure always. Um, but I always thought I had to sort of work for the good things, you know? So I don't know if I subconsciously feel that same way with sex where it's like, okay, because once, once I like get into it, everything's great, but I'm like, oh, I want to have that sex drive and that like feeling of wanting to do it even before doing it that I did when I was younger. Okay. It's so funny. Like the similarities between the two of us. Cause (sighs) I, I'm like, oh my God, had a very traumatic first relationship that I didn't ever grieve then I got married in my 20s young, but I met my current husband when I was 29. I'm also sober curious. I haven't gone a full year without alcohol, but right now I think I'm like at month five. But it is just so fascinating too about, yes, mushrooms and alcohol. Like, anyway, that's another podcast. So 
I don't know for me if the goal is to, you know, I know I'm never really going to feel like I was as a teenager. I had these spaces, you know, I am a serial monogamous. Like my first relationship was five years. I was single for like a blink. And then I was dating another guy for two years. And then I was single for less than a year. And I met my ex-husband who I was with for six years. I was single for about a year, but there were a lot of messy dudes in the middle of that. And then I met my husband. And so I've also had these times when it's like the freak flag is flying high. And that was when I was in my late twenties was like when it really flew high because that by that point I had really come to grips with a lot of the shame around sex, but I was in the throes of a multi-decade eating disorder and alcohol abuse. And so there was no connecting to my body. It was like, let me just have orgasm after orgasm. And it was very much just like a depleting type of orgasm, right? Where you come and then it's just like, huh, you know whatever, on to the next dopamine hit. That's what I was chasing all of that time. And so when I became involved in another long-term relationship, we really struggled with, you know, that type of um, intimacy because in the beginning I was drunk like all the time. So I was a morning news anchor at this point and had just had that super traumatic divorce. I dated a guy right after I got divorced who is narcissistic as fuck. And when we talk about cervical dearmoring, he will come back up. So he'll learn about him. Um, and then I, you know, probably a year and some change, I guess, from when the time my like ex and I broke up until I met my current husband. And it he was much younger. My husband's about seven years younger than me. And so there was a lot of differences. Like I was much more sexually, quote unquote, experienced than he was. Um, and so that was a struggle for us in the beginning. And I was drunk all the time. Like I would get off work at noon and I'd be wasted when he got off work at five. And it was almost like a joke at that point. I would have like... I'm, I used to call it sundowning. Like I would like, we would have now people call it brown out where it's like, I wasn't fully blacked out, but like, I don't remember if what we, if we had this fight or did I dream we had that fight. And now I'm like, that was alcoholism, man. Like that was what that was. So as we moved to Texas, we were living in Oklahoma at that point. We moved to Texas. I become very ingrained, like in, into spirituality. And then I started experimenting with sobriety in 2020. Um, I think that's really what started to shift things. But now doing the work that I do, all of those people that we let into our pussy, like leave little trails of bullshit that we need to clear out in order to access more pleasure and to feel fully connected with the partners now. Because yeah, that's like the energetics of the womb space. They It holds on to all of that. And so when we don't grieve our first loves and then we wonder why 20 years later we dream about them every mercury retrograde speaking from my own personal experience <laughs> it's like oh they're in there still and it's hard to clear that out but i think that's really essential for one connecting with the womb space and two fully connecting with pleasure it's understanding energetically what is still in you that's not yours that you can e that, that you can i'm not gonna say easily but that you can remove in order to become less blocked and stuck in certain areas of your life So for somebody who's wanting to do this type of womb healing or womb clearing, and I know that that's like a whole process you go through. So I'll put Leslie's information below if you want to work one-on-one -on -one with her, because I think one-on-one -on -one is sort of the way that you want to do this. There's a lot, there's a lot of stories. There's a lot of 
everybody's different. So, but just a few tips, how can Pete, what are some ways that people can do the womb healing or the womb clearing? Yeah. So I think the first thing is to understand the anatomy of the pelvic bowl, right? And it it is shaped like a bowl. I like to call it the energetic junk drawer where you will stuff things subconsciously that you either don't want to look at. And it can be things like the energies of past lovers, or if you were bullied as a child, if you had other trauma, I mean, things just tend to collect in the hips and in the pelvis. And so the first thing that I have people start to work on is lovingly connecting with this space in a non-sexual way. So touching your belly, beginning to breathe fully into your belly, not feeling like you have to suck in all the time, right? And so what I know I led your folks through in alchemy was um, just a meditation and a visioning into that space. And I did a podcast episode on my podcast a couple of months ago where there is a womb visioning journey. Um, but starting by touch, right? Touching your belly and not judging your belly, right? Like clearly as someone who had 20 years of eating disorders, I have a very divided relationship with my body at times. And so for me, this is what's really helped touching my stomach, feeling the folds, feeling how soft that skin is, how nice it feels. And then instead of, you know, sucking in as you breathe, letting your belly feel with that breath and imagining as you do that, that the breath is activating that sacral chakra and that womb space. I like to see it as like a bright glowing crimson light that really fires up that entire space. And so breath, visualization, and then sound. So it's so fascinating about the way that the vagus nerve, which runs from the throat all the way down our body and, and connects in the uterus area, is that when we use sound to vibrate our throat, it can help us open our cervix, help us reawaken the womb, and help us relax our yoni. And so breath with an exhale with a sigh really like that type of breath work. You're not really having to count anything. It's not super activating breath, but it just sounds like inhaling through the nose and relaxing with a sigh or a moan Uh, and letting it vibrate all the way down your throat. The more you do it, the more, like, obviously I haven't done that in a while because my my throat's so scratchy, but as you do it more and more, you'll feel it start to vibrate your heart space, start to vibrate your solar plexus start to vibrate down into your pussy. And so that is stuff that anyone can do. You don't need to like have any type of training in womb healing to start visualizing and lovingly touching and connecting through sound. Um, And I think that that's a really good place to start for everybody and noticing what comes up, right? Because in the beginning, things that may come up is, oh, I don't want to touch my stomach. Like, oh, my stomach is big or my stomach is too small or it's too fluffy or it's too hard or all of these twos, it should be this or should be that. Like those feelings will come up and those beliefs will come up and sitting with what does come up for you. Right. So for me, it's been, you know, after I stopped dieting in 2021, my body has changed pretty dramatically and I've had to learn to love this space of myself. And that's been tough. But like I said, noticing, okay, how soft it is. The skin feels so nice, right? And what I also love is noticing, you know, the different textures on your skin. Okay, well, this is super silky. And also finding ways to feel pleasure without, you know, dealing with the genitals at all, right? So we haven't dealt with genitals in any of what we've been talking about, right? But noticing how, you know, my fingernails feel on my skin um, versus, you know, my hands versus whatever. That's a great first place to start. And then 
you can start exploring other aspects of things like working with yoni eggs, with cervical dearmoring, with crystal sex wands to really begin to see your self-pleasure and pleasure in general as a sacred ceremony that you build for yourself. So much of what we as women believe around sex is that it's transactional and that it's for someone else's pleasure, right? Like that's very much how I was raised. And a lot of why I, oh my God, my ex-husband used to say, if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> yeah. And that is like still one of those things that's so deeply ingrained in me. Like I have to be ready in a moment to have sex. And if I'm not coming quick, then shit, I'm not coming. So that's the type of work that I have had to do. Now, you said you wanted to talk about cervical dearmoring. So this is a technique that I used to work with people like pretty quickly. And now as I do my own much deeper work, I don't like prescribe this to people if I haven't like had a one-on-one -on -one with them, but I'll tell you what it is. So cervical dearmoring is an internal vaginal massage, usually with uh, I use a glass curved wand. There is a group out of Australia called Yoni Pleasure Palace. They have like the best one out there. It's called the Sacred Serpent. And it is shaped with a, a glass bulb at one end. And it's curved. Um, maybe we can put a link or something so people can see what I'm talking about. But it has like a long handle. Looks It looks crazy. It's so long. <laughs> You're not putting this whole thing inside of your vagina. But the way that dearmoring really works is when you start first with the massage, the touching the belly, and you can give yourself a yoni massage, right? Where you use some oils and you're basically just rubbing around your vaginal opening, getting in touch with that space, hopefully looking in a mirror. So you're also lovingly appraising that space of yourself. You can then use that glass wand to give yourself an internal massage, thinking of your vagina and the opening like a clock you know, 12, three, six, nine, and kind of going around in a circle, holding that bulbed in onto each space with breath and you're pressing, but you're not pressing too hard. And so when I started doing this, which was in 2020, when I was trying to get my sex drive back, the shit that came out, like I, and I say like, nothing came out. Yeah. Energetically. Time. Although I did squirt. So <laughs> this, it, it, that, that's also a thing that can happen. Energetically, the things that came up, I, so I usually see this in three stages where you do the, just inside the vaginal canal, go 12, three, six, nine, go a little deeper, 12, three, six, nine, go a little deeper, 12, three, six, nine. And then maybe at that point you're around the cervix, right? So very slow. We're talking 20 to 30 minutes is how long this takes. I realized that on my upper right quadrant, it felt like I was getting, you know, when your legs get like pins and needles, like that, mm. like the it was, yeah. it felt like that when I pressed there. And then immediately I had a thought about that dude that I dated after I got divorced, the narcissist. And I was like, oh my God, he, that's where I'm storing those memories of him. And so I, I cried. I like massaged that area using breath and sound. Cause that's the other thing, right? We're breathing it out. We're sounding it out and we're massaging that space. And now whenever I do it, that doesn't feel like it was like a pinch, like a like pins and needles pinch. 
it's cleared. It doesn't feel like anything in there. And so if you do this type of work on yourself, you could feel places of pinching, almost like a stabbing sensation, places that are completely numb, places that feel really pleasurable, right? And so as I was doing this work on myself, because I did a lot of it in 2020 and early 2021, it's when I also reactivated my ability to squirt. Because when you have that bulb in there, the G spot, which is on the upper side of the vaginal canal, that's at that 12 o'clock space. So that was getting stimulated. And it was like, as I breathed into that and I sounded it out, the juices were just flowing. And so that's a very pleasurable thing for a lot of people. But for me, it also was like, as that happened, I'm visualizing all of the junk from those past people moving out. And so that's that's my experience with cervical, cervical de-armoring and sort of what it can do. And I'm surprised you were able to explain it that well on a podcast, like without like a diagram and everything. <laughs> good job. Well, good. Thanks. And I wonder too, just like even if somebody, you know, has only had one partner and it's been great and whatever, but maybe they gave birth. Like when I gave birth, it was in a hospital and I thought it was, it was pretty smooth for a hospital birth. Honestly, it was a vaginal birth. She was perfect. I, there was no issues, but there was a lot of trauma because they, they rushed me. They were like, the, the nurse came in and goes, okay, you're ready to push. It's between you and another girl in the other room. Whoever crowns first gets the real doctor. Whoever is second gets just whoever's on call. I was like, and I'm like such, I like am very competitive. I can be competitive. So I was like, okay, here we go. My doula was like, don't fucking listen to her. Like, just take it slow. You're fine. But I was like, I'm ready. Like, let's go. Let's do, I was, I had been laboring. It was 10 PM. I was, I'd been laboring since 8 AM. So I was ready mentally, but my body wasn't ready. And I think that I store a lot of trauma there. So I'm probably need to do it for that if, if nothing else. Yeah. You don't have to have had bad sexual encounters. You don't have to have been assaulted. You don't have to have had multiple people that you led into that space. Like birth trauma, massive. Anytime that you judged your body, anytime someone said something about you, oh, you don't look like you look fat or you look ugly. Anytime that you felt um, like a retraction in yourself, from touching your own space. Like if you don't want to look at your vulva, there's trauma there. Right. And so it's so many little things that people don't notice or realize that can get stored in that area. And all of it is what's blocking our creative power. Right. Cause that's the true essence of this. We want to ignite this space and clear out these things because when we have so much junk in there, that's why we feel stuck in life. That's why we feel like we don't know our purpose. That's why we feel like you know, just, you know, we're meant for something more, but we can't put our finger on what the hell it is. And all of that is because of its link to one, the womb and the sacral chakra. So yeah, you don't have to have had any type of thing that would look like quote unquote trauma to still have energetic blocks that are held within that space. And, and I'm sure you talk about this, about the whole idea that the body keeps the score, right? Like when we don't process our emotions or we don't process the trauma, it lives in our tissues. And so the, the womb being the bowl, um, the softness of that space and the fact that it is, I think just so there's so much shit tied up around it, honestly, society in the society 
that that's why things you may never even know would be stored down there would be stored down there. And I don't think that you need to just immediately go out and buy some tool to start cervical dearming. You can use your fingers. Um, I have long fingernails, so I tend not to use my fingers just so I don't scratch myself. But like you can use your fingers. You can, your partner. It's such a beautiful healing exercise to have your partner do this. And so I have talked with several people about using the partner in this type of way, um, specifically around yoni massage. So really having your partner with some beautiful oils with you spread like legs spread on the bed, have them gazing at your yonis, talking about how beautiful your vulva is, and then giving you a loving massage that's not going to lead potentially to sex. It's like, you know, that's not the goal but allowing you to receive this pleasure and this adoration for this space can really help connect you with your partner. It certainly has helped me connect with my husband. Um, and then having them use their fingers, if it's a little hard for you to get up in there, right. Can also be really nice and healing. If that's something that you feel comfortable with, there's also people who do hands-on womb work like this. I know in Australia, because that's who my first teacher was from was Australia. But there's someone, I know there's a woman I follow out of the Denver area or Boulder. She does hands-on womb work. I do not do hands-on womb work, but there are practitioners that are popping up because I think that's just the tide that's turning with the collective. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we're going to have to wrap up for this first session, but we might have to have you back on. I might also do like a little Q&A and then we yeah. could have you back on for that. So if you guys have any questions, please submit them to me so that if we do a part two, we can like get into the nitty gritty. But I feel like this was a pretty good overview. If you want, I can put in the show notes that meditation that you have on your podcast so that people can go there and sort of listen to it and and get a feel for it and, and utilize it with, with whatever practice that, that they're doing. But that the womb healing meditation that you did for us, it was something that we all did on Zoom. We weren't, you know, you don't have to like get naked and oh, no, no. do all of that kind of stuff. It was very much like a PG version of womb healing. And that was really good. So definitely tap into that. I'll put that in the show notes below. But yeah, any last little tips or any call to action that you have for for women who are listening? Right now, I am building and launching a 10-week group integration journey around connecting with the cycle and the womb and your divine feminine. And there is a module all about connecting with the womb. We would do some womb practices. And so if you'd love to talk about that, I have the ability to do a free call with me right now. We can talk about what's going on with your period. We can talk about your womb. We can talk about mushrooms. We can talk about, you know, any of those um, aspects. And yeah, find me on social media at Leslie Draffin. You can obviously send Allison the questions or you can just send them to me. Yeah, because my my mission is really, I feel like when we start to heal and come back home to ourselves as an individual, that's when we can do the work to heal the community and then the collective. And I know I was put here on this planet to shine a light on things that are taboo and to help people come home to their, to themselves. Yeah. One of my purposes I feel like is to empower women. If we can change women and help us to really tap into our intuition, I feel like, and get more money and power in the hands of women, we can make a lot more changes. And like part of that power is sexual power. Oh yeah. 100%. You know, 
and tapping into that creativity that we have in there and that ability to create not just humans, but ideas and new ways of doing things. And that's what that's all about. I've just been so numb to that area for so long. And so I know that that's a priority for me is, is to start tapping in and reawaken it. So, And the other thing I will say too, you know, we've talked this whole time about all of this and very rarely, like I, besides me talking about the partnered play you could do in order for, this isn't about you having sex with someone else. This isn't about someone else's pleasure. And I think that so often that's what women are told that their sex is for their genitals are for someone else. And God, we live in Texas where now our whole fucking bodies are for having children. So I just feel like you can't live a fully turned on and tuned in life without accessing this part of yourself for yourself, right? Because it isn't you're not doing this for anyone else. Maybe you're doing it for your ancestral line and your children down the line, but you're not doing this for a partner to bring more pleasure to them. The second that you start to understand that pleasure is such a multifaceted way of living, it's going to make your sex life better because you're going to be more in tune with your own personal pleasure centers and it's going to help you build businesses and it's going to help you parent better. And it's just going to help you have a better life. So yeah, I think that it's just so powerful and instrumental and no wonder society at large wants to keep us from knowing about it. Right. (laughs) This has been great. Super juicy. So juicy. Literally Literally the epitome of juicy. Right. Thank you so much, Leslie. I've so enjoyed this conversation. You guys, if you loved this conversation, holler at Leslie, DM me, share this episode, because I think this is something that we still have a little bit of shame and talking about as women. And I think it's something that everybody's thinking about in the back of their head. So please share this episode with every woman that you know, and give Leslie a follow on Instagram and connect with her and tell her thank you. Thank you so much, Leslie. Thank you. Thank you so very much for tuning in to another episode of You Do Woo. I know that you already have a very full life and that there are literally millions of podcasts that you could be listening to. So I'm super grateful to you for being a loyal listener and I'm so grateful for you sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family members. That is how we are able to serve more people and raise the collective consciousness and really get the word out on a bunch of these fun spiritual topics that we're talking about. I would love to connect with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at youdowoo, all one word. I'd love to hear how you loved today's episode and just a little bit about you. I can't wait to connect. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.